everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Rogue Agronomist Podcast with Kyle from Stall Agronomy. And uh, this week's topic is going to be another interesting one. Uh, I call it the neighbor syndrome. And um, it, it's something that everybody always talks about. Uh, it's something that I've always noticed in my career. Um, it's, it's definitely a thing in agriculture. We're we're always worried about what the neighbor's doing. Uh, there is a, a famous tweet uh, that was sent out oh, a couple years ago. And um, I think somebody posted it was... It was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, there's no way we're planting today. It's too wet. It's too cold. Uh, there's a cold rain coming. I'm not going to plant. Um, I think it was like 1130. Well, the sun came out. Maybe we should go look at fields. Nah, it's too wet. We're not going to plant today. And it says noon. Neighbor goes out to plant. Uh, One o'clock, we're planting because the neighbor's planting. And um, I think it kind of rings true uh, that that's kind of a, that's a thing. It's a thing we see every year. It's a thing that... Um, we always talk about, um, I get quite a few guys that'll call and do things that are, they're just goofy just because, uh, one guy goes out and plants or one guy goes out and tries combining soybeans. Um, it seems like that always happens where one person goes out and then the whole neighborhood's going by with at least by the next day. So, um, it's definitely a thing. Uh, I, I, I will say in retail, it, it was a thing too. Um, I was, I got a friend of mine that, that posted, uh, and he always used to talk about he had a, a manager that would go out and, and pull a fertilizer spreader around. And then all of a sudden everybody would call in and say that, um, say that they need, uh, need fertilizer. They're going to go spread fertilizer that day, you know, and that's honestly, I used to do that too. Um, we used to, uh, we used to take sprayers into town, uh, to get work done. And there was, um, there's a, a direct way to get back to our office, but then there's an indirect way, which is basically going a few miles out of the way. Um, I always had a few customers that, you know, once they saw the sprayer going around in spring, it could be the middle of March. Um, I would always get a phone call about what's, uh, what's going on. And, um, so yeah, there was a few times where I uh, took the long way home and, uh, I get a phone call. Oh, what are you guys spraying today? Um, uh, uh, somebody thinking we got to spray something on alfalfa and it just, it, it never ended. It always, um, anytime a piece of equipment ran down the road or, anything somebody would always inevitably call and want to know what's going on or what what everybody else is doing um it it's it's a thing it's the i just called it the neighbor syndrome and um the the extremes of it are always really interesting we had um one year where um i had one neighbor using a field cultivator ahead of the planter and um you know he he calls me. He's like, "Oh, you can come take a look at my corn. I don't really like how it worked. Um, I don't. I don't really think my seedbed was all that great. Um, I don't think it worked up well. We uh, we need to kind of rethink what we're doing." So I come out. We're looking at it, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, you know, it, there was a few things we didn't like, um, but overall, it didn't do a horrible job." Um, well, then I think it was in, within a day or two, the other neighbor calls, and he's using a soil finisher. Um, and he calls and says, my neighbor uses a field cultivator. His stuff looks way better than mine. I got to figure out how to get a field cultivator because my finisher's not doing a good job. And literally is the two neighbors saying that each one of them's, uh, corn looks worse than the other guys. And, um, nobody's looked worse. It was basically the same and it, there was no difference. Uh, it was just one of those things where the neighbor was doing something different and whatever he's doing must be better than what I'm doing because he's doing it and I should be doing it. And, um, it happens every year and you know, and it's, it's always interesting. Uh, like the first day or two of planting, um, there's always that happening. Um, 
I think we went out to plant this year and we did like oh, 10 or 20 acres uh, on the first day. And by the next day, everybody was going. And it I wouldn't say that planting conditions were ideal. Um, we just had a field that's uh, sandy by the river and that was a good field to start on. And it was just kind of a work the kinks out kind of day. But the fact that we went, everybody else decided that, hey, since they're going, we need to get going. Um, and then this harvest, um, it was kind of the same thing. We, we were on the opposite end of that. Um, we were, we were kind of waiting for drier conditions. Um, I think there was maybe two little windows of maybe a day or two, uh, where some people got out and got some beans off, uh, and or corn. And, um, we were still kind of doing some tweaks and some things on a combine and, I think about four o'clock one day, um, comes in and he's like, Oh, we got to get going. You know, everybody else is going, we got to get going. And I'm like, everybody else is getting stuck. Um, you know, the guy up the road, he backed out the ruts are deeper than probably up to my knee. And there's a couple other guys down the road. One of them had to use an excavator, get the combine out. And he only got half of a field done. And by half, I mean, he was going around spots and he just picked what he could. Uh, you know, in the first day of harvest, you really don't want to be doing that. You know, at the end of the year, if you have to, you'll do it. But, um, you know, the first day where you're just doing like a half day harvest, you don't really want to go around picking spots. And, um, you know, and I think the first time that happened, um, we tried to get going and then, uh, something happened on the combine when we started it up just to run everything. And then the second time, by the time we decided that maybe we were going to go, uh, it started raining within an hour. So, you know, it's just, it happens, you know, you get all excited, you get worried about what the neighbors are doing. Um, we, we're always, I don't know why it is, but it, it always is that way. You just, everybody gets nervous when somebody else is doing something. And I'll say that it was the same thing in retail. We, um, I would always wonder, you know, if I saw somebody spraying on a day that I didn't think we could be spraying, um, you know, I would get really nervous and I would literally get in the truck and just drive around so we could try to find a field so we could get going. Um, you don't ever want to be behind. You always also don't want to be the guy that, that, um, missed out on, on getting something done when you could. And, um, there's a lot of times where I couldn't find anything and I couldn't figure out what the heck they were doing. Um, there's also days where it was blowing 30, 40 miles an hour and we parked the sprayers and somebody else was still out spraying. Um, and you know that stuff just happens um you know it the biggest thing is always you know your conditions and, and your equipment and your your fields and your farms and, and where you're located aren't the same as your neighbors um you know we have one field that it's extremely wet um or at least it can be and ours was really wet but the guy next to us it's higher up it's on a hill uh, he's got better tile than we do um, ours has a tile that's backed up and that guy can go a day or two before we can. And, um, this year they had that corn off before we got the beans off next to it. And it just happens that way. And, you know, I, we could get really excited about it and we could get all nervous about it. But at the same time, you know, it just wasn't right. You know, I went, um, I think there was one day this fall I had to run over and, and check those fields just to see if we could go because somebody was doing a field next to it. And, I went and checked them and I'm just like, man, it is so wet. I could barely walk in this field. And, uh, there was another field that I parked my truck, um, up on the road because I couldn't get in the field lane. And, you know, it's just one of those where, you know, 
you're sitting there and you're like, I could switch to beans from corn, but it's going to take me an hour or two just to get over here and switch. Um, by the time we move everything over, we're going to lose two or three hours today. And it's supposed to rain tonight at midnight. Um, so we're going to lose two or three hours just to try to get another 20 acres of beans off in, instead of just getting another 40 acres of corn off. And that stuff happens. Um, and that's agriculture. That's just the way it is dealing with Mother Nature. And it's just always funny that um, that's such a thing. And you know what? We always tell farmers, oh, don't worry about what the neighbor's doing. And as a retailer and, and an agronomist, um, I will say that we got caught up in it too. And it really did happen with us as well. And it, it's funny. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those do as I say, not as I do things. But we did the same thing. Um, but, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, I, I spent a lot of time working with growers and, and we just talking about planting conditions and I don't know how many calls that um, I was on first first couple days of planting season and it's always there's always a few guys that we, we find uh, we're, we're planting too wet um, we're working ground too wet or you know things just aren't right um, and you know I I really think that first day of planting you know there's there's guys that just want to get out the door and just hit the ground running as fast as they can um, ideally for us, I mean, usually the first day is a 20 or 30 acre day. It's just the way it is. Uh, we get out, uh, we're checking closing, we're checking, making sure that our closing wheels are lined up with our, you know, with our fur or trench. Um, we're checking our, our sweeps just to make sure that our, um, our trash wheels are actually pushing the way that they're supposed to. Um, we're checking tillage, making sure that we're not compacting and we're doing, we're doing a, a good job at least. Um, we spend a lot of time doing that. And I always talk to guys, we, um, we always run into the issue and you know, I've been selling seed for, uh, 11 plus years. And we always run into that issue where guys don't want to put plots in because it's, it's too wet or, um, they're too busy. I really think, you know, ideally that, that first day is the day, if you're going to put a plot in, that's the day you should be doing it just because you're not going to get more than 20, 30 acres done that day anyway. More often than not, most guys don't. Um, it's it's a good way to you know stop every round, check everything. Um, you always seem to have an agronomist around when you're doing it, um, so it, it really helps. Um, so you know, and it should be the day where you're trying something out different. Um, I know somebody posted a thing um, not too long ago about um, you know, say if you had a thousand acres, you should be doing forty acres of that. In, in advanced trials. So it was something that you have a couple years or a year of experience with and you feel is um, available to go on to the next year or, or at least worthy of going on to another year of trials. Um, and you kind of have a proof that it works. Um, and then you should take four acres and put it into something that you is just totally new. You've never done it before. Um, you really want to try something new. Um, and I, I really took that to heart. That's something that I'm trying to incorporate into our farm every year now, um, where we're trying to do, you know, something different that we, we have some proven results on, on a few acres. And then a handful of acres, we're going to go out and do something that we've never done before and, and try to do something different. And that's something that I think everybody should be doing. It, you know, the, the, we always done it this way thing is not something you should be doing. Um, you know, and it's the same thing with the neighbor syndrome. 
you know, it's, it's something we've been doing, you know, we watch the neighbor and if he goes, we go. Um, but I really think that that's, that's kind of the key to this. So for our stuff this year, uh, I, I think our, our, our somewhat larger scale trial, um, we're going to be doing a couple different, um, planning studies as far as going out with different planting rates on corn and soybeans. Uh, we're doing blocks on those. We're going to do some different, uh, nitrogen rates on those as well. Um, we're also going to do um, a full rate pre followed by uh, a split applied right next to each other. So we're going to go full rate pre and then every other pass is going to be a, a, um, a split apply. So we're going to do 90 foot strips across the whole field. Um, we're trying a different chemical out this year uh, for pre-emerge on corn. Uh, you know, we have these, these trials and basically it's, I've taken a hundred acre field and we're going to split that into all of our corn trials. Uh, we're going to do um, do our bean trials on a couple farms, and then our our more advanced trial is is going to be um, something that you know we we've never done before, and that actually is going to be uh, using a nitrogen uh, model to um, to predict what nitrogen we should be doing. So we always split apply everything. Um, so this year we're going to actually go in and and pull out an end model. Um, using Pioneer's data sets and our model, uh, so in circa or granular. And we're going to try doing that. And I think we might only try 40 acres. Um, I'd like to try a couple hundred, but we'll see how that goes. And we're going to um, pull it up in June when we're doing our top dress and try to figure out uh, what we want to do with that. So you know, we're, we're going to try it. Um, it's something new. Maybe it's something we're going to do every year. I'm kind of hoping it is. Uh, but this will be the first year where we've tried that exclusively on the farm. Uh, and soybeans, we have a couple different things we're going to try this year. Um, going to try different residuals. We're going to try some different herbicides. Um, I think we all need to be trying different things. And yeah, um, am I going to get a return on it? And that that's the first thing. So, you know, in 2012, it was really easy to um, try anything and everything. You know, we literally, in, in 2012, I was looking for products to uh, to throw in the tank and, and try out for guys. Guys just wanted stuff to try. If I can add 10 bushels at five bucks, we're going to go gangbusters. You know, it just, it was always interesting. It was fun. We had a lot of fun in, in 2012 um, and 2013. Uh, in, in a little bit in 2011, um, I think that was at four, 450 range, uh, 20, 2012 was the drought year. So early in the season, we were looking for a lot of stuff. And then about the end of June, we were hoping that our corn would survive, which it did, um, for the most part. Um, uh, we had some people that, uh, did some baleage. Uh, they were actually baling up corn stalks and, uh, corn, actual corn plants in the end of June. Uh, actually, it was maybe the first week of July. Uh, July 19th, we got rain that year in our clay soils. We actually had a really good year. Um, I think we didn't, we didn't break any yield records, but we also were better than average and the price was really good. So that year we had a tremendous amount of, uh, different things going on. And 2013 was no different. You know, we, the weather was different, but we had quite a few guys that had such good years in 2012. We wanted to keep that going in 2013. Um, so, once we get to three dollar corn or three twenty five, I think it was three forty six this morning when I looked. Um, just local. Um, we're we're not doing as much stuff, so we want to know things that actually work. And um, 
I really think, you know, I always say to most of my customers and a lot of my growers, you know, to be honest, um, I'm worried about what your neighbor is doing or what our neighbors are doing because I want to know if there's something we should be doing or what we should be looking at. Um, I think our neighbors have expanded. Um, you know, 20 years ago, um, your, your knowledge of farming outside of your local town was basically relegated to magazines and newspaper articles. Now we're getting to the point where I can talk to somebody from Texas about, um, about crops, or I can talk to somebody from, you know, different states all over the country, uh, about what they're doing. And we got to take that information and adapt to our, our operation, our area. But, you know, our, our, our pool of, um, knowledge has, has really expanded and it, it's given us an opportunity to, you know, when we worry about what the neighbor is doing, I'm worried about what the guy in Iowa is doing. And if they're doing something in Iowa that we could translate to Wisconsin, that, uh, that to me is, is valuable. And, um, that's been a nice thing about social media is we can actually expand, expand our, our, our knowledge base quite a bit. Um, so, you know, I, I'm worried about our neighbors are doing, but I'm worried just because I don't want to fall behind. And I, I think we all need to be trying something different. Um, and to me, I'm always looking for the little things, um, the things that don't really cost us money. So that once we get those things right, then we can afford to spend the money on the trials and on, on different, um, we won't call them snake oils, but we'll just call them different products that um, promise yield returns. But, um, you know, for me, the biggest things we've seen, um, especially in our operation, uh, as far as um, increasing yield, has been the little things. Um, we, we've tweaked some of our tillage stuff in spring. Um, we've tweaked some of our planting populations. Um, we've cut back on the amount of starter we're putting in furrow. Um, we've done a lot of things, uh, ahead of corn to increase our corn stands and not necessarily our stand count, um, but more of our quality and, and emergence, uh, scores. And we've done a really good job of that. And I can almost, um, the old precision planning lingo and, and Greg Souter still talks about it is seven bushels per thousand is what he figures. Um, you know, and I honestly, um, I will say we increased about, um, 2000 plants on a final stand basis, uh, about three years ago. And our yield bump was almost exactly 14 bushels. So that's got some merit to it. So that, that's the easy yield. That's the stuff that we need to be doing first before we do anything else. And it's the same thing with fertility. Um, I always talk about, you know, we, we, we have quite a few guys that want to try micronutrients out. Um, I always had a lot of guys that were really interested in micros and, you know, we, we always talk about the kitchen sink thing. So if you want to try micros and, and your neighbors are doing micronutrients on their beans or corn, um, the first thing you got to get right is in NP and K sulfur, calcium, magnesium, you know, the macronutrients, if, if those things aren't right, um, you could put all the micronutrients on and you're still going to be limited on your MP and K and everything else. Um, that has rang true with quite a few guys. Um, I had a grower that, um, they were on a, a large, uh, foliar nutrition plan on alfalfa. And when I first talked to them, I was just like, you guys really need to switch this up. We had some soil samples back, um, and our potash levels were, Nowhere near what they should be. Um, I wouldn't say nowhere near. Uh, they weren't what they should be. And um, 
you know, when you're looking at, you're throwing 25, 30 bucks an acre out for a foliar nutrition package. And you can actually take that and put it into, you know, uh, at the time we had like $300 potash. So basically you can put a couple hundred pounds of potash on for 20, 30 bucks. So, you know, to me, that makes way bigger dividends, way bigger returns, especially when we're pulling six, seven, eight tons per acre off of alfalfa. You know, those are the things that you need to evaluate on your operation. You know, if we, oh, let's talk about Coron. Um, you know, I was back in uh, Indiana when all the research was starting to come out and the huge things on Coron. We actually put Coron on soybeans. It was, it was huge. Everybody had to have Coron. Coron is a, you know, we use like a gallon per acre and there's maybe a couple pounds of nitrogen in that. Um, you know, if your cost is 15 or 20 bucks and nitrogen is 50 cents a unit, you know, you can put another 30 to 40 units of nitrogen on, um, instead of putting a couple pounds on with Coron, you know, just those little things add up quite a bit. Um, so it's, it's one of those don't get caught in the neighbor syndrome because, you know, what somebody else is doing isn't always exactly right. And, you know, you got to think of it with financial sense and and what you're going to, you know, your returns and your your um, your investments uh, per acre. Um, we always talk about, um, I want to have guys with a budget. And, you know, you don't know what your neighbor's paying for rent. Uh, you might. I mean, but that might be coffee shop rumors. Um, you don't know what his equipment costs are. You don't know what his personal costs are. You don't know what his insurance costs are. You don't know what any of his costs are. Um, I know quite a few guys that think that they're, you know, they're spreading equipment costs out over larger amounts of acres and it just, it gets really in depth. And I think it's one of those, you know, your, your parents always would tell you to worry about yourself. I think that's where we get when we start talking about uh, adding on things and, and trying to do different stuff in our on our acres. Um, I know why break-evens are. I know how much I'm putting down per acre. Um, I know what I need to get back for return or what my idea of what I should get back for return is. Um, that's all I'm concerned about. Um, the only thing that I would get from neighbors is maybe some ideas of some ways that maybe I could change some some of what I do, maybe potentially for the better. So, don't get caught in neighbor syndrome. Um, it happens. It happens to everybody. Um, you know, we could always say every year going into it, uh, we're not going to worry about what the neighbor's doing. Um, but it, it always happens and it's going to happen. But, you know, try to take out what your neighbor does, maybe in a positive light. Um, try to bounce ideas off of people. Um, to me, I, my plan is to cast a wide net. I want to look at what other people are doing in different states. Um, it's kind of cool when you look at what other people are doing in different states and you've been doing it for two or three years. So, you know, we, we have a lot of guys from Illinois this year, uh, or last year, uh, and Indiana talking about sulfur on corn and how important that is. And we've been putting sulfur on corn for the last five or six years. So it's kind of cool when, uh, when you maybe are ahead of the curve a little bit. So don't worry about neighbor syndrome. Um, you know, it, it happens. So. Uh, anyway, I'm still working on some guests. I actually got quite a few uh, messages lately about uh, people wanting to get on. Um, this is going to be kind of interesting. Um, stay tuned. I should have plenty of episodes, uh, hopefully before spring. And hopefully I can get uh, some episodes in spring. Um, I have no clue what my schedule is going to be like. I am 
Not sure if I'm running a planner tractor, if I'm going to be running tillage. I have no clue what's going on yet. Uh, this is all up in the air. We're still learning each other. Um, there might be days where I'm running planner and then get yanked out. Who knows? Um, so this is going to be fun. Uh, got quite a bit of stuff going on. We're, we're starting to finally thaw out. So we're going to start delivering seed like crazy. So this is going to be real fun, uh, real quick. So anyway, stay tuned for future episodes.